0: Yes, the music of Gustav Holtz, in this case, from the planets, more specifically, Mars. It's a fine way to start today's program, and the ominousness of that music certainly was appropriate for the scene down in Pasadena, where yours truly went down to attend the Planet Fest, hosted on occasion by the Planetary Society. I say on occasion because it isn't that often that uh, a space probe goes whizzing past another planet, comma, or lands. I suppose technically comma, or goes into orbit around the planet. But uh, as you're no doubt well aware by now, the Curiosity rover was successfully put down on the Martian surface late Sunday night. we're gonna talk about that, you can be assured, on today's program. I gotta tell you, a thing like this makes you proud to be a homo sapien. And by the way, if I've never announced it before in this program, I want to do it now. I am indeed a homo sapien. If you're looking around at some of the things our species has accomplished on this planet, uh, it does tend to make one ashamed from time to time, but this was not the case certainly on Sunday night when I think the best of the human race uh, came out and showing what we can do Well, more than that, it shows what we can aspire to do and what we can actually, in fact, set out to do when we put our collective minds to it. Of course, with a little bit of dough thrown in as well. We're big advocates of space exploration in this program and um, hope that we will see a lot more of it in the years to come. This may be a good time, dear listener, to express your support for NASA with your local representatives in Congress. Anyway, you can bet we're going to have more to say on that topic before this hour is through, but let us start the program as we like to do with, on this date in history, the date in question is August the 9th. And it was on August 9th in the year 480 BC that the Persians under Xerxes defeated King Leonidas of Sparta and 10,000 Greeks or so at the Battle of Thermopylae, most famous for the fact that King Leonidas sent away most of the army and the and 300 Spartans and a smattering of others tried to hold out against the Persian army but were eventually defeated. This inspirational defeat however is credited by historians for leading to an eventual Greek victory in their second battle against the invading Persians. On August 9th in 48 BC, Julius Caesar defeated his one-time friend Pompey in Greece. When Pompey fled to Egypt, Caesar followed, but found he had already been murdered. These events would lead to Cleopatra meeting Caesar and subsequently boring his child, which although may have been a bit of a foreign policy success for Caesar, didn't play very well with the folks back in Rome, and would fuel the conspiracy which eventually led to his downfall. Well, this must be a big day for battles because it was on August 9th in the year 378, what is considered to be one of the most decisive battles in history, a large Roman army was defeated by horse-mounted Visigoths at the Battle of Adrianople in present-day Turkey. Two-thirds of the Roman army were overrun and slaughtered. The Visigoth victory left the Eastern Roman Empire nearly defenseless and established the supremacy of cavalry over infantry, which would last for the next millennium. You know, obviously Radio Parallax has cycled through most of the days of the week now in our 10-year run, because I remember last time we talked about this, we received a nice email note on the Battle of Adrianople. We subsequently read that on the air, and reminds me to thank you, dear listener, for your regular contributions to this program. We could scarcely do it without you. And boy, continuing along, what a day for war. On August 9th in the year 1757, during the French and Indian Wars... Fort William Henry on Lake George was taken by the Marquis Joseph de Montcalm. James Fenimore Cooper would later incorporate this battle into his novel, The Last of the Mohicans. All right, and thankfully an item that is not related to war. On August 9th in 1854, the American philosopher Henry David Thoreau published Walden. On August 9th 1934, American filmmaker Walt Disney presented his animators with an outline for the first full-length animated film. Can you guess what it was, dear listener? Just while you work. And together We can tidy up the place. So merry Yes, dear listener, it was indeed Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Which, 78 years later, still looks pretty good on the big screen. All right, August 9th, 1942, Indian nationalist leader Mohandas K. Gandhi was arrested by the British after starting the Quit India movement. And Unfortunately, it looks like we're back to war on this entry. On August 9th, 1945, the second atomic bomb was dropped on Japan by the United States, this time at Nagasaki. And no matter what you may think about the debate on the use of atomic weapons in Japan, it did result in the unconditional surrender of Japan, shortly afterwards. And finally and sadly, and I can hardly believe that this was 17 years ago, Jerry Garcia, lead guitarist of the Grateful Dead, passed away shortly after his 53rd birthday. I think we may have to use some Grateful Dead for our bumper music on today's program. In fact, we'll try and pick selections for today's program that come from the Live at the Mars Hotel album. Actually, I just pulled the album out, uh, rather the CD out. We still use the term album, though. I think it applies, doesn't it? It was actually Grateful Dead from the Mars Hotel, which I guess does allow me to segue into the fact that the night before I went to Pasadena to attend the Planet Fest, I realized I had not booked a place to stay, so I went on the internet and quickly found a hotel listed as the, well, I won't name it, but it was the blank at the Civic Center. Now, I imagine you would think, dear listener, as I did, that if it was titled at the Civic Center, or I think it was just Civic Center, that its proximity to the Civic Center would be its notable feature. So it was that I was rather surprised to find that it was a good three-mile drive from the hotel to the Civic Center. But rather than complain, I will offer up our quote of the day for today's show, which comes from Anna Quinlan and is, The life you have led doesn't need to be the only one you have, and I do so like that one. Our that today comes from Albert Camus, who once said an intellectual is someone whose mind watches itself. Our joke today comes from Conan O'Brien, who said the Olympics are getting mixed reviews. People are angry at NBC for showing a promo that revealed the winner of a swimming event, even though the race hadn't aired yet. NBC apologized, saying we are just not used to people watching our network. Our stat of the day comes from Mother Jones and is that the world's tax havens currently keep between twenty-one and thirty-two trillion. uh, Yes, with a T trillion dollars out of reach of the world's governments. That's more than the combined gross national products of the US and Japan. And our first of two cartoons of the day comes from the New Yorker. The scene is a woman sitting on her couch watching the television from which the following message is emerging. Ask your doctor if taking a pill to solve all your problems is right for you. And although unlike Dr. Andy Jones, we don't normally have a poem of the day on the program, we're quite taken by this little entry from the Sacramento News and Review by Sandy Thomas, which was, A pair of aces and a pair of eights would not have been his last hand, but his back was to the door. And if you can tell us what that poem is in reference to, dear listener, we'll put you at the top of the list of people to whom we're going to send a Radio Parallax t shirt to as soon as we whip up our next batch, which will probably be in September. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, according to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for Evita. Yes, down Argentina way, President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner last week unveiled a new banknote featuring former First Lady Eva Perón. The new bill replaces the 100 peso note, which uh, reportedly is worth about $22. Well, I'm not sure it's not 22 cents, and that may be a typo. Remember how typewriters used to have a sense symbol on them and our modern computers do not? That may be the source of confusion, but at any rate, apparently they're having inflation down in Argentina once again, and there was hope that Evita would be put on a larger note bill, at least by the Peronistas, I guess. And I must say, I'm creeped out by the fact that every time they get a new currency down there in Argentina, inflation starts and the bills soon become worthless. What is their problem? Anyway, it was a bad week last week for Olympic fever after a Londoner vacationing in France apparently decided he was going to swim to New York City, (laughs) saying he was off to carry the Olympic spirit across the Atlantic. Evidently, the man had to be rescued by lifeguards about 300 yards into his 3,600-mile journey. We don't have any evidence that alcohol was involved in this incident, but we have our suspicions. Because, I mean, it would have to be a drunk that would think he could swim 3,000 miles, wouldn't it? I mean, a pothead wouldn't think of that. I suppose if he did, he'd go, oh, man, dude, oh, next time, man. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for the Oprah Winfrey Empire with the news that Oprah has apparently angered much of the entire nation of India with her table manners. Yes, while Ms. Winfrey was visiting a family in Mumbai while filming a show, she sat down for a meal and remarked, I heard some Indian people eat with their hands still. Upon being informed that, yes, it was a common practice to eat with one's right hand, Winfrey proceeded to use both hands, saying, if she used just one, she'd be here all night. I remember having an interesting discussion on this very topic in Mumbai with one of Mr. Edward McMillan's cousins. In a rather amusing conversation, he explained to me he was about to order a big plate of rice and he was going to eat it with his hands because, well, it just added a certain something to the meal. And I don't know that it's a universal practice, but I expect it's pretty close to being so. What do you commit on that, Mr. McMillan? I prefer the fork. Very good. Well, the way it was explained to me that it just added a certain texture and something certain je ne sais quoi to the experience, I don't know, to me it looked awfully messy. But doggone it, I think I'm going to have to try that in the near future. And as for the Indian reaction, well, I think they're, they're just I think they're getting a little bit worked up. Said Indian journalist Asim Chabra, Winfrey didn't need to bring up the utensil for eating, saying, It's all the stereotypes and all the cliches that the West has between the elephants and the palaces and the snake charmers and cows. Well, I don't know, Mr. Chabra. When I went to India, I noticed there were palaces and elephants and snake charmers and cows. So, I mean, it, it may be a cliche of the West, but it it is reality. Anyway, speaking of cultural wars, we're apparently having one right here in America over uh, whether the owner of a fast food chain can make disparaging remarks about gay marriage. In the wake of Dan Cathy, an evangelical Christian who heads the Chick-fil-A fast food chain, saying on a some sort of Christian broadcasting network that his company was opposed to, same-sex marriage, well, that that just set off a firestorm. Chick-fil-A was then denounced by the mayors of Chicago, Boston, and San Francisco. I must say, I do find it disturbing to find myself agreeing with nationalreview.com. One of their knucklehead commentators said, there's no evidence that Chick-fil-A has ever discriminated against gays like every other successful business, Chick-fil-A happily sells its products to anyone who can fork over a few bucks. All Kathy did was express his constitutionally protected religious beliefs, which were already well known, as the Bible Belt-based chain is famously closed on Sundays. I gotta say, I was a bit surprised to see the news uh, showing people turning out to Chick-fil-A to show their support of the owner's opposition to gay marriage out in Roseville or somewhere out in the, uh, burbs. And writing in the WashingtonPost.com, Alexander Petri said, It's bad enough to have to examine the caloric count in my food. Am I now supposed to also quiz restaurant owners about their stance on everything from gay rights to gun control before I eat in their establishment? Well, maybe not, but we do have to support the idea that if uh, if uh, some sort of corporate entity out there has some really bad social policies, you also have the right to go somewhere else. And yes, I mean you, Walmart. But I would add that my opinion about not shopping at Walmart, like all opinions heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. But then, you knew that. All right, I got to talk for a few minutes about going down to Pasadena to watch this landing on Mars. This whole enterprise was one complicated engineering feat. If you haven't done so yet or caught it on the nightly news, you may want to check out on YouTube or some suitable place that, that Seven Minutes of Terror video made by NASA to explain the process. Personally, I thought they had about a 50 50 chance of uh, getting that thing down in one piece, but thankfully they did. And if the Opportunity rover is going to be any guide now in its eighth year of operation on the Martian surface, and we certainly hope it does, well, then we will hopefully have many years of fantastic science beamed back to Earth by the Curiosity rover, which is about the size of a small car. It landed in the Gale Crater, which has a central peak, which has strata in it, which scientists think is going to enable them to read the geologic history of Mars once they drive the rover on over to take a look at it. There had been some debate back and forth about whether Mars once had uh, a much wetter environment than it has currently, and uh, Spirit and Opportunity pretty much proved that that indeed was the case. Now, the uh, Curiosity is going to look for carbon. Now, back in the 1970s, when the Viking 1 and 2 landers put down on the Martian surface, they had a a test on board that was supposed to look for organic molecules. And uh, shockingly, Mars seemed to have come up negative in that department, which didn't seem right. It seemed to scientists that just... Carbon-based meteorites falling on the surface alone should, ge- should have given them a higher carbon count than what they found, but now it seems pretty clear that uh, these were some false readings based on some peculiar chemistry on the Martian surface. The suspicion is those false negative tests are going to get turned around once the curiosity starts poking and probing. We're going to be all over that in the weeks and months and hopefully years to come, And uh, in the meantime, we'll just have to, like you, take a look at these stunning visual images as they are sent back. Uh, A few months from now, we'll try and uh, revisit some of our friends from the Planetary Society, perhaps the President Bill Nye, perhaps the former President Louis Friedman, perhaps the former co-founder of the Planetary Society, Dr. Bruce Murray, or maybe our, our good pal, Bruce Betts, who's been on this show a couple of times talking about some of the exciting things uh, that we're, they're doing in planetary exploration. And I, I'm certain we'll have uh, our, our good friend, Matt Kaplan, of the host of Planetary Radio, come uh, back to talk about his efforts. I had a chance to say hello to Matt on Sunday night and just really value the wonderful programming he brings us week to week. I don't believe Planetary Radio is currently on KDVS, on some quarters in the past it has been some it's not, and although currently it's not, it may be back in the future, and you can certainly check it out on the web, and and I hope you do. Matt Matt puts on a wonderful program. It's also available, of course, on the internet. We love talking about science in this program, and I think, in fact, we're just going to devote our whole next segment to catching up on some science issues, and then on segment three, we're going to come back and talk about some some more down-to-earth type things. Actually, in our third segment, we're going to talk about an update on the Salton Sea and California's Great Water War is something I had a chance to check out in my trip to Southern California. Stay tuned for that. Right now, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. I think as we go out, we're going to to play some music from the Mars Hotel, Mr. McMillan.